En ik geloof van ochtend dat God is voor zijn kerk. Ik geloof dat God is voor zijn kinders. En het maakt niet zo. It doesn't matter what race, what color. If the people are Ukrainian or Russians, I'm praying for the church in both countries to rise up and to take their positioning in Christ. And I trust this morning that the church would be heard and that we will not fade in this season of history where we should stand up. And the same for South Africa. I really believe that the Lord wants to do something so significant in our midst that we must be willing to say, Lord, we want to be used by you. We are ready, Lord. Here am I. Send me. And I believe I, like I've said so many times, I'm coaching young men. And I'm trusting the Lord that the Lord will help them to succeed in a day and time where people say there's no hope. Okay? So just for a moment, let's just close our eyes. And just there where you stand, let's just intercede. I'm not interceding for governments because I think that there's a new world order in any case that's going on. But I'm praying for those who loves the Father and who is known by our Father this morning. I'm praying for their families. I know that there are Christians in dire strait, that the message would be clear. I've got messages coming out of the Ukraine saying, we refuse as pastors to go out of these areas because we need to shepherd the people and stay. It's a time for us to say, Lord, let them be faithful even at the cost of their lives. Okay. Father, we pray for, for our Christian brothers, Lord. Father, many, many kilometers away today in the Ukraine and in Russia. Lord, thank you that the word says that these things are going to happen. We're not afraid or unsure in these times because we know to who we look to and we know your faithfulness and we know that you are unchanging. And Lord Jesus, this morning we glorify your name over that nation and we say, Lord, May it be known that God is still in their midst. In the midst of war, may they know that God is still their protection. Lord, may they know that you are still their refuge. And Lord, may this season be one of great, great encounters with a living God. As the times grow darker, we lean into you. For we know that there is only one name given in heaven and on earth and under the earth through which man shall be saved. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's take in our seats. Um, I'm going to ask that we take up the offering as part of our worship, while they still play at the back. Um, uh, we've got an Ikoka machine. A Ikoka machine is like a Visa card machine for people who don't walk with cash. I prefer not to walk with cash. I don't know, uh, uh, I don't know what your belief system is. I think cash will only get you into trouble. Amen. So um, we do have a Coco machine. If you, anyone wants to make a payment, Leonie will not be here next week. Zij gaan op ernstige zwangerschapsrofs. Leon, stand uit van op. Come on, come on, stick it on the thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. She's been serving this house and this ministry. And Lord, even in this time, we pray for her, Father, that everything will go smooth. And we call great protection over her and the little one. We declare, Lord, that your word will be sufficient for in this season. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So Leonie is here today, but she won't be here for the next few months. So um, you can still do the ikoka even if she's not here. <laughs> okay. Hallelujah. So I'm excited about the times. I'm very excited about this morning. Um, I had a brilliant time with my family the past week. 
and we had such great times and who just feels refreshed when they spend time with their family amen and that's what we do on a sunday morning we come to church not we come to church because we get refreshed being between um our brothers and our sisters amen like-minded people i want to say to you many times this family has been closer than my own blood this is my family and I've grown to love people. And not only in the good seasons, in the off seasons as well. Amen. Who believes that the church is a hospital still? Is there anyone that believes it? Who believes that Jesus came for the lost? Amen. Who hungers and thirsts for His righteousness? Okay, so if we say all those things, it means that we have a desire to do what He would be doing. And if we read the word many times, Jesus was judged because people thought to themselves, what the heck is this oak doing? Now, Owens, this is the, the, the season of God's goodness and His favor. I really believe it. And I want to give a testimony this morning. Who remembered last year, I already said to you guys, the Lord is saying to me, we must go into Pretoria. Amen. And we've spoken a few times about it in church. Um, it doesn't mean that we're not going to be faithful in this family. This is part of the move. The Lord said, out of Broncos Pride, He's going to plant many churches. I, I can count on my one, one hour and even more how many churches have been planted through this small congregation. This little community of believers that loves the Lord with all their heart. Amen. How mighty things have come out of our midst. How many people's lives not only got saved, but got changed. Their families got second chances. Because the way that this community has loved the broken and those who are less or most rejected and less loved. Amen. I can, I, 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 I can tell you this morning that there's so many people. If I, if I look through my, my, my list, there's so, uh, while I was at the sea, I found one of my sons. I said, listen, man, I haven't seen you for quite some time. He said, my car's broken and he's got this tribulation. I said, send me a photo. I want to see how you look. He said, why? I'm going to see you in your mind. I'm going to see you in and he looks so good. And I said to him, you know what? I'm so proud because you're sticking it out. There's difficult times. I, the Bible says, Vermenigvuldig is die teespoede van die rechtvaardige. Who's ever heard that scripture? And we want to hear and preach a gospel that says, guys, it will only be well. If you've got opposition, then it must be the devil. Amen? I want to say to you, God allows many things in this season to, to establish our characters. God is into character. Who knows that God loves character? I like van vrug. He wants the fruit. And when we come to God, He wants to establish a firmness in our hearts. So tithing is for the mature. Amen? Who knows that tithing is for the mature? I don't come and I don't manipulate people for money. I've never done it in the past 13 years. Never done it. In, in, you'll hear me always say, in the times where we need it the most, I'll preach it the least. The least. Want ek preek nooit in die area van my behoefte nie. Want God is my voorziener. Amen. So ek gaan nooit, is ons in a tawe season? Ja, die kerk is in a vrek tawe season. Ons het a wiese en ons hou nie op om te doen wat ons doen nie, want God het gesê. And if he calls, he will pay. Ek hoef jy gesê, ons krijg calls by A op die mees. Hulle bel ons laas jou, hy phone ons, ons ap. Hy sê, listen jy, this guy had a great hunting season and he shot, I don't know how many um, uh, uh, game did he shoot. And they found us and they said, listen here, um, these food are all going to go off and be rotten. We'll rather donate it to you guys. So we got meat for five, six months. 
Amen. And we are eating that, that meat. And Tani Liz there at the back. Let's give Tani Liz just a quick hand. <laughs> Guys, she makes amazing food. And I say, Lord, you know that we are helping people that most of the people can't really contribute. And especially families get into a predicament. And the Bible says, carry one another's burdens. And that's what I believe what the Lord wants to do. Is he wants us to have a, a, a consciousness to say, Lord, we want to, Lord, come and do it. So this farmer gave us all this meat. And we were eating like kings there. And Liz prepares a lovely meal every day for these boys. And uh, man, I, I'm blessed by God's goodness and His favor and how He has not left us or rejected us. So then the Lord said to me, listen, you're going to start in. And He spoke to me and I was reminded when we came to Bronkerspreit to Friday and do many from my door. I said, how plant you this right So Why do you plant a church between the rich people? I said to, my, said to him, I never thought about it, but you are right. It looks suspicious. Amen. And now again, the Lord has called us to the east of Pretoria. And the reason for that is, is because this time I'm really going with an agenda. We need money. We need to advance the gospel. I want to complete the work that the Lord has set in front of us. And the Lord said to me, look between the grove, Benlin and Woodlands. And I was standing last year, September, I went and I prayed for Peter Tron. I don't know if you guys know him. I think it's family of Ivonia. I was standing in his, in his room looking out on mainland Main. And I said to him, you know what? I said, one of these days I'm going to come and plant a church right under your nose. You better join that church when I plant it. <laughs> okay? I can't be praying for you and trusting the Lord for your life and you won't be at church. And then I went and we prayed for him and the Lord was really faithful. Just did a great work in his life. And um, I stood there. And I prophesied into it. And I had a prophetic word which the Lord reminded me that night. He said, you were prophesied over cities. I did it once over Moscow and I did it over Pretoria. Interesting. And as I um, stood over that, that area, um, I was now looking into the direction of Menland Main. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I said to Kari, imagine the Lord gives us. So in my life, in my heart, I've got a child, a childlike trust in the Lord. So I was one of two people in Bible college when they asked us, who believes that the Lord can grow money on trees? And I was like, I believe He can do it. I mean, He puts golden coins in a fish mouth. So nothing is impossible to Him. And the, 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 um, the, uh, the, the lector, um, the tutor, he was looking to me as if I've smoked something. He said, you really believe that money can grow in a tree? I said, yes. I believe God. I can actually still create the creator million errands on the ground as we can grow up. Amen. I can't get someone who is dumb enough to go and seek. Yes, imagine us creating a creator. You better not be blurry. Then we'll see you track up. Start to see. We'll come all for you. In any case, the Lord spoke as He said to us. I said to Carly that night as we drove away. I said, you know what? I said, I don't wonder. I know that the Lord is going to do something. But at this stage, it's impossible. Now I'm driving past the Sun Arena. Who knows where the casino is? Praise Okay, so, and we drove past that, the, there where the casino is with the Sun Arena. And I said to Carly, well, I'm going to come and inquire about the Sun Arena. And as we started in Pretoria with the morning meetings, the Lord called us to be there. And I want to tell you, up until this far, we've not taken money. Am I right, Lampies? We've not taken up money. We've given this small community of believers 
En guys, ek, wil, ek wil vir julle sê, dit is ten die effect, dat ons nie altyd weet, hoe gaan ons salarisse betaal. Nie. Maar ons gaan uit, and we were buying breakfast for the guys that we had morning meetings with in Pretoria, because that's what the Lord told us. It doesn't always make sense. Do you think, can you imagine 5,000 people pitching up, eating on Jesus' account? It's crazy. And now the Lord tells us, listen, you pitch up, do it. And I'm like, yes, okay, Lord. How are we going to do this? And how is it going to be possible? I want you to, to just hear me out. So a friend of mine's daughter turned 21, John Grobler from the college. And I was, he, he asked us to just bring her a word. And we joined them. And we, we were on this moonshot restaurant on top of the King Prize building. And now I'm standing on top of the building with my wife. I'm saying to you, we're looking now into the direction of where we prayed from previously from my friend's house. And now we're praying back to that house. I'm saying to you, listen here, imagine the Lord gives us this venue, this restaurant, to have church in because it's, it's beautiful. You see, look over the whole city and I can see Peter, I don't know where exactly where his house is, but I can see his house then most probably somewhere in the distance. I can imagine it should be there because it's more or less in line with where I was praying from. I say to him, Imagine the Lord gives us a place here, or this place, this venue. And now, a few days later, I tell Lampis and I tell um, Maria about this place. And so we ended up making an arrangement. We went to look at the Sun Arena, which is not finished. Now, I mean, to, to hire the Sun Arena is going to cost you like 600,000, 300,000. I don't know what it's going to cost. But the short and the long is, I also trust the Lord that one day we will still do the Sun Arena because I've got word for it. I mean, God's not a man that he should lie. So, can God do it? Yes. God always done, do, does things out of insignificant places. Look at Uncle Angus. Heerlijkheid. Owens. Insignificant, insignificant place. Should have not been on the map. And yet, God has raised him up and he's became one of the mighty voices of our time. Amen. So, we, as we stood there, we went back on a Tuesday and... I had a conversation, I said to the guy, is this place up for rent? And he said to me, no, it's not up for rent. And then they, he said, but go down and hear from the training facilities because they've got a, a, a ward there where they train people. And maybe, maybe they can just um, give you that because we know they've got church on a Sunday evening, but there's no church on a Sunday morning. Yes, yeah, so we went down there and we spoke to the people. And when we got there, the, the lady received us so warmly and she wanted to help us. It was like if God has sent us there. And I want to tell you, we had no obstacles. In Acts 28, it says, and they had no more obstacles. And we overcame just, we came in and we overcame and we, we and the lady literally gave us the venue on a golden platter. Free of cost. Amen. So next week, we are starting with Acts 29, Pretoria. And we've got a strong team. Who enjoyed Leandi's message last week? Okay. Now tonight we are having a soaking session with the band. And Leandi and Willemine are leading the, the soaking se session. So tonight I want to pray for the sick while they are worshipping. If you are sick, we want to pray for you. We want to lay hands on you. And it's going to be like crazy. Okay. You can't miss tonight. It's very important that you, that you are here tonight because we're not traditional Christians. We want to serve the King of Kings. It's a sacrifice. Imagine him getting onto a cross and it's inconvenient for us to get out of the bed. It's just crazy. That's not the type of commitment that we should have. We should be committed as he is committed. 
Let's just pray over the finances. Lord, thank you, Father, that you've been faithful in this vision, that you are upholding this vision with your word. And Lord, that you are guiding our steps. Thank you, Lord, that we can declare that we are so aware of your provision. And thank you, Lord, that even as people buy into this vision, that you will make it possible for them to succeed in whatever they do in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I'm going to get into the message for the next five weeks. I'm going to preach on, um, uh, so next week I'll be preaching the second part in Pretoria. And um, we'll have uh, people preaching on this side. And I'm not going away. We're still going to be part of this community. And we're just going to rotate with, the, with our team. I don't know about, our, the Lord has blessed us with a really strong team. And I want to see the guys stand up and I want to see the Lord raise them up. I can love for I've asked her to prepare a sermon because that young girl is going to say, I'm going to go to the awesome and I'm going to go to the house and she's taking responsibility. And I want to hear. Die Bijbel sê, Paulus sê vir jong te moet, sê, sê, moet net hulle jou jongheid veronachtsam, vir, vir moet net hulle op jou jongheid neerkijk nie. I want to tell you, this is the season where God's going to raise up the young and the old. Amen? You're not too old and you're definitely not too young. God wants to use you. It's your season. So, um, this morning I'm preaching on Acts 29. I remember the Lord waking me up in, it was February 2019. And he said to me, write the next chapter. It's two years, three years later. He said, write the next chapter. And immediately I was aware. I said, Lord, we can't do this because um, the Bible says you cannot add to the scripture. And the Lord said to me, don't write the chapter into the Bible. Live your life as if you are writing a next chapter. Dedicate your life to my work and write the next chapter. Be willing and obedient and I will, I will make you succeed. And so the Lord gave us, the Lord gave me this, this vision and He said to me that, that He's going to take us through a, a season where He's going to really just strengthen us. So this morning, I'm going to speak on worship. And if we look at these guys, if we look at these guys, we, we look at the, the, the disciples of Jesus and we think to ourselves, man, they had everything going for them. Alles moest mooi gewerk het in hulle lewe, en alles moest ten goede mee gewerk het vir die wat die Heere lief het. Wie kan saam met my stem? Kom ons gee vir Heere die dankie vir die woord. Alles werk ten goede mee. Everything works out for those who love the Lord. So, I believe that God is with us in everything. But sometimes, and especially in the day where we live, that we, we believe that there will be no opposition. We don't want opposition. We don't want to know that there's going to be calamity, that there's wars going to happen, that things are going to get real, that sometimes the, your, your wheels at your house is going to come off. And the only way we can go to is to take it to the Lord in prayer. I want to say to you, if you're taking your problems to brandy, it's not going to solve it. If you're taking your problems to whiskey or to drugs or to women or to man or to finances, it will not solve your problem. And the men of old became obedient, they had active obedience towards their walk in the Lord, and they overcame in every situation because they knew that God was faithful to provide. So weet jy wat doen ek? As jy, die, as jy vandag een nieuwe werk krijg, dan prijs jy die Heer as ek krijg. If you get a new job, you praise the Lord. 
And when you lose your job, what do you do? You still praise the Lord. We don't change because of circumstances. We don't waver because we've got um, opposition in the season that we're in. And I always tell my wife, I will never waver from my commitments. So if I good feel or not good, feel not lekker, feel or not lekker, feel not, what comes when I come preek? Who comes? Because I trust that God is going to meet me in this. Amen? I go to If I'm feeling down, I'm still going back to the same goal. If my heart's broken, I'm still going back to my same house. I'm going to trust the Lord for healing. And so when we look at these guys with these major halos upon their heads as the early church um, envisioned them or, or uh, showed, revealed them to be, it looks like if they had no opposition, it looks like if they had everything which was great. And so the Lord said to me, Matthias, this morning you're going to speak on worship, but not worship in the sense of a guy playing on a keyboard. It's a lifestyle of worship. It is when my life brings glory to the King in all things. I bring glory to the King. So when I act in a Luke, said, I'm still praising Him. I'm not praying because I'm scared. I'm praising Him because I know He's faithful. And if the lion eats me or not, I can still praise Him. You see, there's something that happens in our hearts. You can get to go to the next slide. There's something that happens in our hearts when we truly understand. Now, that's the, the, the vision that the Lord said to us. He said to us, worship, encounter, connect, volunteer, and reach. And this morning as I speak on worship, the life that worships God, how, how does your life bring glory to Him? It's when you say no to what is right and feels right for you. And you say no to that. And you say yes to whatever pleases and is acceptable unto Him. It's when you say, Lord, I'm going to follow you into this. It doesn't matter how hard it is. Now, I want to say to you, there's some days where I feel I can run away. Is there anyone that can associate with me? It feels like, yes, like here, as I know, a good cup car in Timbuktu to cry. Then see you in awkward three years with a long board and a like a hippie. Okay? But that's not the plans that the Lord, the Lord has not called me to be a coward. He has not called me to run away. He's called me to embrace and he scolded us when us niks wat waarin hy ons sit wat ons boe ons vermoe beproef sal word nie. There's nothing God will take you in that he won't take you through. And when he allows certain things to come across your way, he has given you the ability to withstand the devil so that he can flee. And many of us whenever we get the slightest form of opposition, we want to run away. And that's why I say to you, tonight is so important for us as a community because something breaks when you start worshipping the King of Kings and you praise Him and you, you recognize Him and you say, Lord, I know that you are the answer. He's the answer for the bankruptcy that's on the way. He's the answer for the things that's not working out in this season. So the next slide says, hard times create strong men, strong men create good times. It's a quote that my, my, my wife read to me while we were on vacation. And I can associate with this because I did not have the most perfect life when I grew up. And there's this circle where you, you get into hard times and all of a sudden you level to the gravel and you need to pray and you need to call upon the name of the Lord. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be, they shall be saved. So hard times create in men a desire to say, man, I'm going to break through. I want to live. I'm going to make it. And then all of a sudden, you see that the hard times create the strong men. 
strong women, as ek praat vandag, daar is geen man of vrou nie, daar is geen Griek of slaaf nie, geen Griek of vrou of, so I believe that hard times create strong men, and then strong men create good times, and then we see as people go through this good times, dis ook om ek nooit jammer voel vir iemand, wat dier een moeilike tyd gaan nie, because I know God is making you stronger, and He's bringing you into His perfect will, He's bringing you into that perfect plan that He has for you. And many times we want the good times, but we don't understand that good times create weak men. And I ask the Lord, I say, Lord, don't make me comfortable. To koning David gemakkelijk raak, to follow met Bathsheba. The Bible says in the days when the kings were going off to war, King David stayed behind. He wanted to be comfortable. I want to say to you, my greatest defeats was in times of comfort. Was in times where I said, Lord, now, now I can breathe. The best times is when I say, Lord, now I need you. Now I need you. And that's what I believe. Either you are creating weak men under you, weak children, people that's going to always have an excuse. And unfortunately, your children and your grandchildren are going to suffer over that. And actually, net maak jy lewe hard nie. Ek sê mense druk dier met alles wat voor jou is. En don't try and moet nie jou kinders uitbouw uit elke situasie uit. Weet julle wat maak my kwaad? En mama's, dis nou spesifiek vir oogend vir julle. Is hierdie maas waar die hoofdbal aan lieg sy, dan bank Jannie school, en dan sê sy, Jannie het koers meneer. Stop beiling hem uit. Let him start facing his consequences. Let him learn that there's consequences in life. Amen? Who agrees with me? Is there anyone that agrees? I want to say to you, we don't need to get them comfortable. We don't need to... I told Joshua the other day, and I don't know why he's not sitting in front, but I told him the other day, I said, now you are 13. And I was having a hard talk, and he had a big hiding while we were away with his birthday. Because I said to him, listen, yeah, I'm not going to treat you like a boy when I've said to you, now it's time to grow up. And I was... I, I have to challenge that thing in his heart that makes him rebellious. And it's not because of I hate him in my heart, it's because I want to see him succeed in whatever he does. Listen here, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, we all experience times of testing. Who's, who's in a test at this stage? You're either right now in a test, because the Bible says you're overcome, come by the, um, by the blood of the Lamb, and the, and the word of your testimony. So the only way to get the testimony is to go through a, a test. You can't tell me you've got a testimony without tests being in front of you. So we all experience times of testing. So God does not tempt us, the Bible makes it clear, but God does test us. I want to say to you, God is testing you in your finances. He's testing your faithfulness in your marriage. He's testing your commitment towards your children. Whatever you're going to choose, you'll see the results in days to come. Amen? We only, only what a man sows that he will, he will reap. That's not my words. Luckily, that's scripture. Which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. Isn't that a comforting statement? 
He says literally, God will do whatever He needs to do so that you will succeed in this difficult time that you are going through. And you don't need to worry about the thing you are going through now because God's going to be faithful. When Joseph was sitting in the jail, he did not need his mama to come and rub his back. He needed God to prevail. God's plan to sustain him. Amen? And listen here. He says, so that, that the severity, the nature, and the timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. Amen? So you know what's a good thing to do is to test your children. Give them money and see if they're going to apply the principles you've taught them. If you don't coach them in finances, guess what? They're not going to make it when they're older. They need to get coached in finances. You need to give them responsibilities. When you give a teenager a cell phone, he's most probably going to take in a bus fuss. Okay? But you need to make him accountable. It's not your phone. It's my phone. And I've got a responsibility to teach you through these things. So while you are under my supervision, under my roof, I'm going to make you accountable with the things that I entrust to you. And trust always comes with tests. You prove yourself faithful. Amen? I'm seriously concerned if I'm not getting more amens because this means that we don't know this. That means we are in a, we are in a big predicament as a congregation. Okay? I really, uh, I really want you to just allow the Holy Spirit this morning to speak to your heart. And each test is an opportunity to trust Him more. For along with every trial God has provided for you, a way of escape that will bring you out of this victoriously. Amen? So I'm going to look at the, one of the disciples. Um, the book of Matthew speaks of... Now, Matthew was an accountant, or most probably in that day, is working for SARS. Who of you like owns it for SARS work? Who of you like speak cops? <laughs> Act like a speak cop. Okay, so listen here. So, if we look at the story of Matthew, when Jesus called him, he was not necessarily the most popular guy out there. He was working for SARS, and um, he was not loved by the community. And yet Jesus called him to walk right along, uh, along with him. And if we look at his story, how he, he suffered martyrdom in Ethiopia, and he was killed by the sword. But if you look deep into the story, he was burned at one stage. Matthew was literally set on fire by preaching the gospel. And it was not because he was so on fire. <laughs> look at me, I'm burning, baby. <laughs> Um, he got stoned. This is what you learn, Stinky. Okay? He was not smoking anything weird. He literally got stoned once. And then he got killed by the sword and he was beheaded because he preached a Jesus uncompromisingly. And then we think to ourselves, man, Jesus, these were the very, your best friends walking with you day by day. You loved them. And yet they've gone through so many things. To think that God will allow people to go through such turmoil. And the reason why I'm preaching this is, remember, we're on the fact where I believe that everything we do, we do it for Him. I believe that there's something in our lives when we live a life surrendered and we say, Lord, I love you with all my heart. I'm not willing to compromise 
this walk. The second gospel that was written was written by Mark. And he died in there. He was not an apostle. He was a writer, a scribe for Peter. And he died in Alexandria in Egypt after dra being dragged by two horses. And through the streets until he was dead. They, they, they said at one stage that he was, his one arm was amputated. And he was still breathing. And while he was dragged through the streets of Alexandria, he was praying in tongues in Egypt. And he was reminding them of what God has done there in their history. They said that some of the Egyptians heard his, his cries. And they remembered the stories of old. And they gave their life to God because of the way that Matthew was worshipping the God of gods and the Lord of lords. And he would not change his testimony, not even when he was dragged by horses. And then sometimes we want to get upset because people don't approve of us. Or they don't sing us, send us a nice WhatsApp. Or we get derailed because a friend has placed a sucking Facebook message on my profile. I want to say to you that God is really in this season wanting us as the church to mature up and to say, Lord, we are hungry. And I want to say to you, the same spirit that was in them is in us today. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is in us today. We don't have an excuse to sit and say, Lord, I feel sorry for myself. And I feel, you know how many people I speak to and they'll make this statement? Echo squad for the year. Pura. Afrikaans means I'm angry with the Lord. Blessing. Have you been angry with the Lord? I tell you now, you've got people and the church are throwing tantrums towards God and they justify themselves not knowing how immature it is. I can accept my baby daughter of three years throwing a tantrum because she's not getting her, her will. Yesterday, so she's learning through love and consistency. But on 13, you won't throw a tantrum. And I want to tell you, we're tolerating guys and we're calling them their teenagers. It's nonsense. The Bible doesn't call people teenagers. He calls them grown-ups. And stop calling people things that the Word doesn't declare them to be because you're going to give them excuse to do what they want to do and get away with it. Okay? So, when I look at this, I can't understand how people can get themselves justified to say, I'm angry with God because of what's going on with my life. And who knows that God is not our friend? I am a friend of God. I want to say to you, He's treating me as a friend and I'm a son. Except for Joshua, except for you. I don't think I'm your pal. I'm not calling him to say pal, I'm pal. I've got a father, a good, good father. This morning as I'm preaching, I'm not angry with you. But I want to say to you, the church needs to stop pitying themselves and stop having excuses. Ek is kwaad vir die Heere oor dit wat gebeur het of hierdie wat gebeur het. Alles werkt in goede meer vir die wat die Heere lief het. Everything works out to our good. And you might not understand it now, but you don't need to know everything. The Bible says, ons ken ten dele en ons profiteer ten dele. We only know in part and we prophesy in part. But one day, we will know in full. Okay? So you don't need to understand everything so that you've got things figured out. You just need to go with God's plan. And who knows that God has everything on the exact timing. 
he has set the, his, his, his watch this morning. The sun came up, didn't it? He was faithful in every other thing. Will he not be faithful for you? That's why Jesus says, he says, um, King Solomon is not even dressed like the lilies of the field. And he gave the birds food this morning. And yet we, we question his faithfulness in our lives. I want to say to you, has the rain come? And I want to tell you, it rained over just and unjust people. The next guy I'm going to speak about is Luke, who was hanging, hanged in Greece as a result of his... He, he was preaching. Luke was a physician. He was a medical doctor by practice. By any case, you don't get a lot of medical doctors. And I want to tell you, we've got one in town, Dr. Marx, who does love the Lord, and he, he confesses the Lord. He's my house doctor. And I've got a lot of respect for him in the sense that he's, he's openly confessing, confessing and proclaiming his belief in Jesus. I want to tell you something else that, that, that the church not, doesn't necessarily know. That he's helping us and he's seeing all my ARC people pro bono. Can we give him a hand in his absence? With other words, he's buying into the ministry even though he's not even part of this congregation anymore. He's still journeying with us because he's got a belief system that God wants to be good to people. Listen here, Luke was, was hanged and he was a guy that was upright and a, a, a very technical guy. And he had this great, great heart for the lost. And he would go to all of those who were sick and tormented, and he would not fall back into his medical degree anymore. But he would pray for the sick, and the results was that people got healed. And there was great manifestations of God's glory and presence, that the people got threatened by him. And the philosophers of Greece said, that surely this man Luke is, is a threat towards us. Maybe he's some kind of God. And at first they wanted to worship him. And he said he's not worthy to be praised. And he presented to them something which was foolish. Which Paul writes later in the Gospels. He says to the Greeks, it's foolishness to say that this God of gods will die upon a cross. It doesn't make sense. Out of their philosophy, they can't argue and see the point how something so good and great would give its life for nothing. You know me. And he's preaching to the lost. Now I want to say to you that this man Luke, this man Luke was hanged for his testimony of what he carried about the gospel. I want to ask you, are you ready to have a testimony that will lead you to the point where you might even lose your job? Because we don't want to hear these things. Aquafila said, ask Davat Kom. Where you're going to have to make a confession about your belief system. And if you make the confession that you're going to make, you're going to lose your job. And we are afraid of these times because we think to ourselves, how will we eat? How will we survive? As if it is only ours. Who knows that Elijah was fed by crows? The most selfish creature in the whole creation fed him. Is there anyone that knows that? So Matthijs, wat sê vir ons, gaan ons bereis sit in die kraai, gaan vir ons koos bring? Ek weet nie wat gaan gebeur nie. Kan daar ook een leeuwwelpie wees, maar iets gaan gebeur. 
And I really want to believe that God's goodness and His kindness, come on. <laughs> the, f- the, sec- the fourth person I'm going to speak about this morning is John. And who, who, for, for you who don't know the story of John, John was Jesus' beloved disciple. He was that one guy which laid on Jesus' chest. He had such a great encounter with the King of Kings that he went and as he um, was walking through his journey, at the age of 80, they came back and they said to him, John, please, you must give us an account. And he gave us an account totally different in so many areas than the Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's not because he, he changed the stories. It's the way that he perceived God. And John had a heart of love towards God. And for you that, that don't know, at the end of the book, uh, in John, he'll make a statement and he said, he said to John, but you will grow old. And he was the only disciple. He was martyred, but he never, he never succumbed of the martyrdom. He died of old age. Amen. And on his old age, being 80 years old, he sat on an island in, on Patmos, in chains, blind. And he was hitting stones. And he, had the, he wrote the book of Revelations where he had an encounter with Jesus. And he saw the Lamb of God who was raised beyond creation. And he brought a testimony about this Jesus. At one point, this John was boiled in oil. This is what your chips mark. He was fried in oil. And he was standing in this pot of oil and he was praising God. And after they took him out, he was still fine. Isn't that unbelievable? How the word of God sustained him, even in times that he should have died. Then we had Peter. And he was crucified in an egg-shaped cross. And... Not at all, if you look at the pictures, I didn't put up some of the pictures because I thought it was just too vivid. But he was crucified in an X, his head and his one arm was together. And then he said, made a statement, he said, he was not worthy to be, be crucified um, in the same manner as his Lord. So they would not put him on the same type of cross that Jesus was in. And as far as he was going, he was preaching to Jesus and about Jesus and the people that was busy crucifying him all got saved because he would not change his confession while he was working through a life and death situation the thing that blessed me the most is at the end how he said listen here behead me because I'm only his body and something in me broke Because I saw something about Peter's boldness. And how he was willing to surrender to God. Saying, Lord, I don't understand these things, but I'm going to praise you, Lord. And if it cost me my whole life, remember he made that statement. I'm not only willing to, I'm willing to die for you. He wasn't caring about imprisonment. And when the tacky hits the tar, he was the first guy to to be out. You know what? I look at his ending. He ended well. He ended in such a great degree. And this morning, it's not a sad song. It's the worship of people's lives. It's their dedicated lives towards the kingdom of God where where they said, Lord, I don't count anything. I don't count 
anything, even if I was a phys- physician or an accountant. Lord, I counted all as drag. That's what the pastor Paul said. You know what is the, the, the beautiful story about Peter's life? As they said at the end of his days, how he was loving the broken and how he found himself. And he made a statement where in the early, in the early church books it was written, where he said, I was so broken to try and figure myself out. And then I figured out that he has figured me out. He lived a life surrendered and dedicated to the gospel as very few people did on this earth. The interesting thing was in his journey to this point, how he got confronted by Paul because he was being, um, he didn't, he ate with heathens. And then all of a sudden when people from Jerusalem came down, he was not eating with them. He was with the Jewish believers and he wanted to be political correct. One of the sad things where he recognizes to say that I was a hypocrite. When Paul addressed him and Peter was the church father of that day, he was confronted by the Holy Spirit and he learned to yield to the Holy Spirit. Remember last time I preached, I spoke on perisitliasis, which is staying in step with the Holy Spirit, is to do the spirit dance with God. Peter learned to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. And even in life's most difficult opposition, he was still being faithful. The sixth disciple I'm going to talk about this morning was James. Now, James was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And what many people don't know about the story of James is he was literally taken to the same temple in Jerusalem where Jesus was was tempted by the devil. And they took him onto the temple's edge. Remember when the devil stood there with Jesus, he said, Look at all these countries, and I will give it to you. You know what, 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 what the, the, the Pharisees that they took Peter up on the same temple. They said to him, Deny Jesus, or we will throw you down. And he said, I can't deny. I can't deny the one that I've come to know and to love. I can't deny the fact that he has saved me from myself. And they threw him off the temple. When he hit the ground, he was bleeding. He broke his bones. They say some of his bones were broken. His legs were, were, were twisted. And then they stood there and they said to him, deny. And he would not deny. And they took big stones and they stoned him to death. And then they took a club. And they finally, while he was Breathing his last breath, they beat him with a club with which they killed him. I want to say to you, even some of the religious people standing around, James, could not believe how people will stay true to their confession. And the story goes on that they were visited by angels because they were, in a sense, believing the law. They were visited by angels and they had this very condemnation on their hearts for what they have done. And many of these people became the early church fathers out of Jerusalem because they believed in the word of God. And the reason for that is because there was a man who said, I would not just give up. Then there was James, the son of Zebedee. He was a fisherman. Remember Peter's brother. And... um, 
Now, I, I need to just remember what this is because I'm not confused between the two. He overcame by... Uh, oh, okay. So, he was, he, he was caught by Roman officials. And they threatened to kill him. And as they were torturing him, they, the God literally gave, the gods around him literally gave their hearts. And as they cut off his head, they said, I'm going to kneel right next to James. And I'm going to do what he has done. And we believe in his God. And we want what he is having. And literally the, the, the prison God gave their hearts to the Lord. They gave their lives to Jesus just right there and then. That's one of the testimonies. Then Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, he was a missionary to Asia and witnessed for the Lord in the present day Turkey. Bartholomew was martyred for, for him preaching to the Armenians where he was flayed to death by a whip. Now this was one of the most severe, as I went through the book, was one of the most severe martyrs that happened, was, was happening to him. And what they did with him is they literally cut him open and they took the skin off him. And then they hanged him on a cross by rope and they would tear the muscle out of his body. And just to give you an idea, that's more or less how that looked. And they would pain him for the idea and tell him, listen here, change your ways. And he became one of the first missionaries. And that's why when, um, who was the guy that we, we went to the um, China inland? Um, uh, Livingston. Come on, someone save me. The China inland missionaries. He started that. In any case, um, he said he had so great breakthrough in Asia and all because of Bartholomew, who was living his life as a sacrifice down there. Then we had the story of, of Andrew, and Andrew's story was much like Peter's. He was crucified on an egg-shaped cro cross, and also by the, by, by the Greeks. Um, and listen what his final statement was. He said, I have long desired and expected this happy hour. I have long desired and expected this happy hour. So he was some of the disciples that died lost. And as he heard his brothers were dying for the gospel's sake, he had this desire to say, Lord, may I be worthy to be part of this martyrdom of what you are doing. And the cross was consecrated by the body of Christ hanging on it. You know what he said? He was referring back to where it says that um, cursed is every man that hangs upon a tree. And he was saying the, the following, I am not cursed because I'm hanging on a tree. But everyone who has not come to the point where they have delivered their life to the cross will be cursed. And one thing that blessed me about Andrew is Andrew was known for, for being a strong man. Is how gentle he became in his approach towards other people. Then we had Thomas who became a missionary literally in India. And he was stabbed. Now, when I go to India, there's a whole town called Thomas. And all the people, even my friend, one of the pastors I close, closely work with there is Isaac Thomas. 
they all got the surname Thomas because of Thomas that literally went there. And they would say what, what, what the, the Hindu priest will do is they will throw, take water in their hands like this and then they'll sacrifice it to the sun. And they would look and when Thomas came there, he said, but God, give me a sign, show me something that I can show to them so that they would believe. And he took the water in his hands and he lifted it up. And this is, this is documented in church history. And as he left the water, the water stayed in the air. And they said, everyone who was standing around him said that we want, and many of the priests of um, the Hindu faith gave their hearts to God because of this act. And they believed then that Thomas, who was, uh, remember that he was, he was doubting Thomas. And then they said, listen here, yeah, we want this God. And they first believed that Thomas was a God, so they wanted to pray. And he said, no, I'm going to tell you the gospel. And whole cities in India, a big region, got saved because of Thomas, who was there. And then at one point, as they were busy, they were, they were having a rival with, with a local clan. And they came and they said, is this your God? And they stabbed him with spears and they pinned him to the ground. And as they were pinning him and he could hardly breathe, he was ministering to these priests and he told them about the goodness of Jesus. You see, that is worship. If I have to explain to you this morning what is worship, that is worship. Then there was the, one of the disciples, Jude. And he was killed by arrows because he would not deny Christ. And they literally shot him full of arrows that he could hardly breathe. And they would enter at the point, they, will, they, they would enter arrows into him by standing at close range and then shooting him on strategical points so that the pain would be severe. And they would leave him for a whole long period sitting against a tree and then saying, where is your God? And the words that, that went out is, is he would not cease talking in tongues. He was continually praying in tongues and speaking to them and telling them of God's goodness, not knowing that he was with times preaching the gospel in their native tongue. Isn't that amazing? The twelfth one I'm going to talk about was, was the apostle that was appointed in Judas, in Judas Iscariot's place. And um, he was literally stoned. I said to myself, Lord, if I look at that very first picture that you have shown me, what I've shown you guys, if we can just go to that first picture, um, you won't think that any of these guys had this opposition. We can't imagine that these guys, that worshipping the King of Kings would mean to them that it's going to cost you your very life. They didn't have the comfort and the church is built not only on the blood of Jesus but on the blood of the saints. When I saw this pastor's request coming out of the Ukraine, I said, Lord, I'm praying for them. I know you are faithful, Lord, but I know that you are doing a miracle in their midst. My people hear and believe because we're not here to stay here forever. We are here for a short period to have a testimony and then to go out with a boom and to, to bring honor and glory to His name. You know what's one of the things I don't want to do? I don't want to be 80, 95, ending up in my dying in my sleep. I want to go on an age fruitful to the King of Kings. 
I want to glorify him with my last breath. I want to, for those who know me will know, I've got a big tattoo on my chest that says Jesus Christ. And I said to my wife, when I did this, I've got, I had a lot of people looking strange. I said, even one day when, I, when I'm dead, I want my body, if they do an autopsy, I want them to, to look at that. And they must question what they believe. Because everything is for Him, to Him and about Him. I want to ask you this morning, are you living your life with meaning? Are you worshipping the King through what you are doing? Are you willing to give up your physician or your job at such to say, Lord, I am primarily in the kingdom of God and I am there to make a change and I will not have excuses, but I'm going to live it out. I want to say to you, we've got too many political correct Christians out there who is politically correct, but they have no heart for the kingdom. There's no fruit and the lost, the people are going to hell because no one is willing to say, Lord, we're going to stand up. Now this guy, Matthias, literally got stoned and he got beheaded. And I thought to myself, he had a very short ministry life. I would have thought, Lord, at least give him some glory or give him something. And the Lord said to me, Matthias, it's just because you don't understand what I call glory. If you should understand what I call glory, you will never ever interpret the message the same. The last person I'm going to talk about this morning was the Apostle Paul. And he was tortured and beheaded by the Emperor Nero in Rome in 70-67-70 AD. Paul was for a very long time in prison. And he did not sit in prison at any point and feel sorry for himself. He was using the time in prison to say, Lord, now I'm going to write the testimony. And I'm going to write down. And he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament because he could not keep quiet. Chains could not bound him. Prison bars could not keep him in. He had a Spirit of God that raised him from the dead and he was not willing to keep quiet for anything or anyone. He was not going to let circumstances dictate what's happening in his life. And he said, Lord, I'm going to praise you in this prison. And I'm going to praise you because you are worthy of my praise. And as he sat in that prison, he started writing the epistles and he encouraged the church. And he said to the church the following words, Stop feeling sorry for me because I'm sitting in prison. I'm sitting in prison for your sake. Take boldness and know that God is faithful. And all of a sudden, the fear broke inside the church and people stopped being quiet. And they started preaching because they realized that there is hope even for those who are in prison. You know that at one time in Acts 16, he was sitting in a jail cell with Silas. And he had the beating of his life. And all of a sudden, as they were sitting in this jail, at midnight the word says, they were preaching and singing. And everyone was observing, how great is your God if you are sitting in jail? How good is your God if you are sitting in chains? Who knows that God can open any prison cell? He can deliver you from anything that's been tormenting you all your life. He can, he can heal you instantly today. Who knows that? He's still God. You know what? Paul was sitting there. And I want to remind you that sometimes people will come and they'll put serviettes on Paul and send it to the sick and they got healed. There was something about this man Paul you can't keep a good Christian down. I want to tell you that's the truth. 
You can't keep a good Christian down. These letters went throughout the whole Roman Empire and it infiltrated the church and it brought a victorious movement in the church where the church did not have an excuse, but they had a testimony. They lived lives of worship, bringing glory to the kingdom. You know what, what people ask me? They say to me, Matthias, but if sin is not an issue, just let people be. That's the whole argument that Paul is doing from Romans 3 onwards. Is, if sin is not a problem, should I continue sinning? No, definitely not. What Paul is doing is while he was sitting there, he saw the state of the early church, how they fell into certain lies and deception. And you know what he knew? He knew that the Spirit of God was going to raise up that very broken churches. And as he called them to accountability, so many of those churches became the early Victoria churches. Even that the book of, of, of Revelation are still mentioning those churches in the end. What I believe what the Lord is doing in this season is the Lord is saying to you, asking you this morning, what will be the reason or the excuse that you will not stand up? What is the reason? What is the reason why you will not worship this morning? I'm going to read to you out of Psalms 116. So now, so now, what can I ever give back to God to repay Him for the blessing He has poured out on me? This is King David. What can I ever give back to God? For those who can't see the Scriptures, it's Psalm 116, verse 12. So now, what can I ever give back to God to repay Him for the blessings He's poured out on my life? I will lift up His cup of salvation and praise Him. I will praise his, Him extravagantly for all that He has done for me. I will fulfill the promise I made to God in the presence of those, of, of, of His gathered people. And yep, you know that what David is doing here. He's reminding himself, who of you has made commitments towards the Lord? Let me see that. Ek ondou as a jong christen, ek vrede gesê, Heere, ek sal my leven toewaai in een eeuw leen. And then sometimes you come to that point where you fail in it. Who has felt that you have failed the Lord? Like Peter. And the Lord had to reinstate us because faith is, is not always, it's, it's not done by sight. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, not the things yet seen. You know that the early church did not always have this boldness until the Spirit of God placed them in that circumstance where they started standing up. And I want to tell you this day is the day where the Lord is saying to you to deliberately put you at strategic points. We can use you. Maybe you should go and have a lunch with your children and love your granddaughter into wholeness. Amen? Verse 14, I will fulfill the promise I made to God in the presence of His gathered people. 15, and I'm going to read him. Out of, this is the Passion Translation I'm reading out. I'm going to read it. The yellow is in the, the ESV. When, when one of God's holy lovers dies, it is costly to the Lord. It's touching his heart. When one of God's holy lovers dies, it is costly to the Lord. It touches his heart. I say to the Lord, Lord, as we are in a season, I don't know where times are going to take us. I don't know if we may be in for 200 years. I don't think so anymore. It might be that the next 10 years might be some of the most bumpy rides for the church. 
And if we don't prepare the body of Christ to say, guys, it's time to stand up and to, to hunger and thirst for Him, we're going to have a church that's still asleep and that doesn't have any oil when He comes back. The Bible says, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's time to get back the joy of our salvation. It's time to come back to the point where we can say, Lord, I'm saved and nothing can separate me from your love. So what will threaten me? What, for what will I, I be ashamed of? For what will I keep quiet? I'm going to read, read it out of the ESV. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Isn't that lovely? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. I want to tell you, Jesus sitting there looking at how a a Andrew got stoned. Do you know, um, it was Philip that was stoned. The first one that was stoned was Philip. Stephana, sorry. And um, the, the Bible said that the Lord stood up and He gave him an ovation. Imagine Jesus standing up for you in this season. He's recognizing what you are doing. Verse 16. Lord, because I'm your loving servant, you have broken up, you have broken open my life and feed me from my chains. Now I, I will worship you passionately and bring to you my sacrifice of praise, drenched with thanksgiving. And verse 17 is the most important verse for me this morning. Now I will worship you passionately and bring to you my sacrifice of praise. I want to tell you it's not a sacrifice if you give a hundred rand and you've got so much more. The Lord looks at the woman that brings the one shekel or penny and, um, and He praises the woman, the widow, and He makes a statement. He said she has given more than anyone else by the measure that she has given with, with her heart. It's very difficult to give away your only 100 rand. Am I right? You can agree with me. Because you are unsure how God will provide, what will happen, how will you eat. But it's easy to give away your first. That's why God always tests us on our first fruit. Because He knows if you had to test you on your last fruit, you will not have the faith for it. Is it simple enough? Mark it sin. And you know what's the nice thing about verse 17? Is how He calls this a sacrifice of praise. I looked at this morning at the congregation. I saw people's hearts are heavy. Even if the song's on you. Do you know what? I've got a joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? I've got a joy, 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 joy down in my heart. I want to tell you this morning, there's a joy that God is restoring inside the church. And that comes from a heart that worship. It comes from a heart that says, Lord, I want to praise you. And I'm going to bring to you something out of a place where it's not cheap or easy. I'm going to bring you a sacrifice. A sacrifice of praise. It's going to cost me something to put it in front of you. I want to tell you, you don't need to be ashamed of what you are going through. But you need to be willing to say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor you. Thank you, Lord. At this stage, I'm not hanging between two horses and one of my arms are going into one direction. I've got the ability this morning just to say, Lord, I want to just praise you. Listen here. To bring a sacrifice of praise, drenched with thanksgiving, I'll keep my promise to you, God, in the presence 
of your gathered people, just like I said I would. I will worship you here in your living presence, in the temple in Jerusalem. I will worship and sing hallelujah, for I praise you, Lord. I want to say to you, there was a time in David's life where David didn't feel that God was with him. He was sitting in a, a cave and his wife and his children just got kidnapped by the Philistines. And he had to go back and revert back and while everyone was giving him the blame for what has just happened to them, he had to go and consult from God to say, Lord, what is this? You know what the Lord said to him? He said to him, now gather your men and pursue after this enemy and take back what is yours. Now I want to say to you this morning that it's the season for the church to take back what is ours. I'm not giving you a sermon on prosperity. I'm giving you a key to say, Lord, I'm going to give this sacrifice, but I'm going to pursue after you because you have made these promises. I said to the Lord the other night, I was sitting in the morning hours, I was just, just praying and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I've got, I've got my physical boys and I pray a lot for my children. I don't want to have an opinion about other people's children. I've got... I say, but Lord, I want to ask that you will give me grace. Um, Liz, Tani Liz there at the back's husband was one of the pioneers in our country with, with rehabs. And I want to say to you, most people who's got restoration centers and rehabs, children end up in drugs. And I say, Lord, I don't want that, that my boys become a statistic. I don't want to see one of my sons lost. I ask you, Lord, to have grace upon me. I don't want to carry a burden that will destroy them. You know what the Lord said to me? He said to me, I'll give you grace. I'll give you grace. And I know, I know this morning, I'm not standing out of an arrogant place. I'm saying, Lord, I'm trusting you that you can heal our land. I believe, the last telling what the Owens did to make the church, they said the church is evilly on their swakste nog ooit. The statistics in the church is no different to the world. I want to tell you, it's changing. It's not the truth. It's not what God has called it to be. And if you've gone through things that's wrong, and you have gone through a broken thing, then you embrace and you say, Lord, make me whole, but use me and restore within me a pure heart, O oh Lord. I believe that the Lord is putting integrity back into businessmen, that the church will be the best and most godly people you can do business with and you want to do business with them because they are blessed and they are favored from God. Amen. I want to tell you if we get this act together jy gaan op aanvraag wees en mense gaan met jou wil bezigheid doen as gevolg van hom. Amen. I didn't brand myself just because of trying to make a statement. I've yoked myself to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I physically yoked myself. Amen? Why? Because I believe that this is the season where I need to remind myself of the things. The Bible says, herinner my aan die goeders. Now what's the problem in the church is that we don't remind God of any of His promises. Ek gaan slaap kwaad vir my vrou. Want ek het nie gehoor, die Bible sê, mag nie op jou heel gaan slaap nie. I want to tell you there's things that is wrong. You don't have the right to go and sleep angry because God's Spirit that lives within you and unless you start blessing the Spirit, He won't allow you to go and sleep with an angry heart. 
Die Bijbel sê, maak recht voordat je gaan slaap. Wie weet het? Amen. Kan ik dit hoogsing? Ja, yeah, I, want, I want the person next to you to keep you accountable for it. It's not easy to live a life in, the, in accountability, but that is what makes the change. Kom ons vat die dinge by mekaar. Terwijl ek vanochtend hier naartoe gekom het, het ek gehoor die Heere sê, in my hart ervaar ek net die Heilige Geest van my sê, Matthijs, ek wil in die seizoen iets kom doen, in manne en vrouwens harte, wat sê, Lord, we are going to turn the tides, we are going to be faithful, Lord, we are going to have a life of worship, so when it comes to Acts 29, to being the next chapter, it's not to have the perfect story and the right pedigree, it's to say, Lord, I'm perfectly dependent upon you. Ek glo in die seisoen wil die Heere bezigheidsmanne laat succeed. Ek glo die Heere wil kinders uit gatters uit al. Ek glo God wil kom en hy wil kom restore waar die vijand kom steel het. Ek glo die Heere wil financieel die kerk weer by mekaar bring en ek glo die Heere wil hevelike kom restaureer. Ek wil schrijf vir die Heere aan dit lang. Kom ons by vanochtend, dit is my soons hoofde. Lord, thank you, Father, that we have this great example of men and women who has not forgotten where you have brought them out. Lord, that we've got this great testimony of how the early church who walked so closely and had such great experience with you. Little you have been given, little will be entrusted. Father, I want to ask, Lord, that in this season that you will give to us so much more, but that we will be so much more accountable with what we have. Lord, if you have given us a lot of children, Lord, that we will take the responsibility of our children, that we will make time for them, that we will make time for our, our families. Because everything we do, Lord, is worship to you. Net for a oomlik, as jy jou vrou's hand net kan vasthoud, daar waar jy sit. Glas my net een lekker soen, so asof jy al Valentijnsdag gemis het, en jy al nou die eerste keer weer soen. Sê net vaaks, lief jy, weet nie waar is my ander hoofde nie. Moet al, iemand anders moet alsjeblief nie soen nie. Slifia, what I believe, what I believe that the Lord wants to do in this season is He wants to bring testimony back to your house. I see I say get out of that tree because tonight I wanna I wanna come to your house. And I see that the Lord is saying, I want to come and bring worship back to your house. I want to bring a heart that says, Lord, I want to sacrifice. I want to bring sacrifice. Lord, it's going to cost me everything. But I want to be faithful. I just want you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Whatever the Holy Spirit lies upon your heart now, for everyone, the message would be different in your heart. The Lord says to you now, I want you to do this. I want you to be faithful with this seed. I want you to step out of faith. I want you to 
to go and turn at that friend's house. I want you to go and pick up someone. I want you to reach out to that person that hurts you the most. Whatever the Holy Spirit is telling you this morning, I want your heart just to be open. To say, Lord, if it's in my ability, this is what I'm going to do. The Bible says, the Holy Spirit will show you exactly now what He wants you to do next. He's not a man that he should lie. And I know for families it will be different. Some of you are expecting God for a great breakthrough, but God's always going to put a condition on anything that we do. So there where you sit, I'm going to give every family a time. You don't need to do a public confession. If the Holy Spirit is talking to you, I want the men or the women just to raise their hand. If you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, Thank you. Hou jou hand vir my op, as die Heilige Geest met jou praat. Why? Because it's when we come, you can raise your hand up high. Don't be shy of anyone. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord all over the place. Why? I want the Holy Spirit to lead your heart in this season. I want your perisitlesis to happen. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe the Lord is telling you to go to a family and bless them with groceries. Maybe the Lord is telling you to give something away. Maybe the Lord is telling you in this season to go and say you are sorry. Holy Spirit, thank you, Father, that you are ministering to people's heart right through this building. That you are working in people's hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now there where you sit, David said, Lord, I will keep that with what you have told me. I want you to voice just to the Holy Spirit. There where you sit to say, Lord, this is my sacrifice that I want to bring and this is what I'm going to do. I want you to respond to what he has said to you. I want you to make a commitment towards him. So if he's told you to forgive somebody, I want you to say, Lord, I'm going to do this, and this is the action I'm going to take on behalf of what you have just shared in my heart. The Bible says, how do we know that we are his sheep? He said, you'll have a voice telling you to go left and to go right. Amen? So we are guided and led by the Holy Spirit. If you have to go and say sorry, make things right, maybe you have gossip about someone, then the Holy Spirit is telling you now how to set things straight. Just there where you sit, make a commitment, say, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. If you've made such a commitment, I want you just to raise your hand quickly. Thank you, Lord. Take that hand, put it on your heart. Just pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you, Father, that you have called me to worship. And Lord, that nothing will be too hard for me. Lord Jesus, I surrender to your will and to your plan. You have given me the Holy Spirit as my comforter. Holy Spirit, in this time, 
guide me concerning all things and teach me your way so that I will be found, found faithful in your court in Jesus' mighty name. Those who's made that commitment just say amen. If you have the liberty to share it with someone, if it's something that doesn't embarrass you, even if it embarrasses you, take the liberty and share, share it to someone and say, listen, this is what the Lord has told me. I want to make myself accountable and this is what I'm going to do. And if you see me again, ask me if I have done it. Okay? I want to say to you, if you do what God says you must do, what will you have? You will have what God says you will have. An old Kenneth Copeland statement. If you do what God tells you to do, you will have what God says you will have. I believe what God's going to do in this season is God's going to restore households. He's going to put favor upon our lives. And the last thing this morning, just before we go, if you've come into this building, you've never given your heart to the Lord. You are not in a perisitliasis with God. You are not in this dance with God. I want to give you the, the opportunity, just where you sit, to give your heart to the Lord. Just raise your hand. If you've not given your heart to the Lord, just raise your hand. Anyone? Paul, will you and Rousseau come? Everyone who's raised their hands, please stand up and come to the front. I've known Doe for very long. Lord, I want to pray for Doe. I ask, Lord, that you will establish his heart, that you will give him a journey, Lord, that he will know your goodness and your loving kindness. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's just all stand up. Just make the following confession with me. Say, Lord, my worship will not be called Omela. Lord, my worship is my life and my existence. I dedicate it to you. Use it, Lord, and let it glorify your name. Holy Spirit, remind me of your truth and of your nature and help me to live a life uncompromisingly towards you. Lord Jesus, thank you that this is the season where you are raising up the church and the body of Christ and I'm part of it. I want to ask, Lord, that I will function and that I will be usable so that the kingdom of God will be established around me and within my midst. Where I am, that's where you are. And your Holy Spirit and your presence is felt upon me. The sick will get healed. Devils will be driven out. And your kingdom will benefit in Jesus' mighty name, use me in this season. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you this morning, if you're a physician, a school teacher, a restaurant owner, workless, if you, are, uh, if you don't have a job, whatever you do, do it in the conviction of the Lord. And do it with purpose and meaning. And put the Lord 
always, David says, I've placed the Lord in front of me always, all the days of my life. I want to encourage you this morning, as you go, go in the strength of the Lord and be victorious in what He wants to do. Tonight we're having a soaking session, a worship session. Then I want to pray for all the sick. And I want to pray for people that need deliverance. If you are in a place in your life where you feel depro, you come with a sacrifice of praise. If you're in a place where you feel guilty, if you feel condemned of things that you've done in your past, mistakes that you've made, tonight you come with a heart to say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to come and open up. I, I just want to get free. Ons maak lekker, lekker vroeg klaar. Ons is begin vijf uur, ons is acht uur klaar. It's not going to take too, too much time. And it's going to be an awesome time in the Lord's presence. Amen.